This is where they are building the largest nuclear fusion reactor in the world. Yeah, a friend of mine told me I had to check out this pool. America on Main Street and at the dinner table is talking about infrastructure when 20 years ago they didn't even know what that meant. Today, those towers are an astounding display of wealth, prestige, and engineering. First. It's impacting everyday Americans. I am against the train the way it's being done right now. New York City housing is a scam. It is a scam, 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 scam. The Shard in central London is being officially opened today and at 310 metres tall, it's Europe's newest and tallest skyscraper. Hello, I'm Fred Mills. And this is the world's best construction podcast by the B1M. Reflections, mate. Some early editing there for Luke. <laughs> Sorry, mate. Hello and welcome to the world's best construction podcast. That's right, your favourite trio are back. The full lineup is here. It's me, Luke, and Liam. How you doing, guys? Yeah, not bad, mate. Uh, I'm back. Um, I got a haircut just for Liam. Just for Liam. <laughs> just for Liam. <laughs> You a couple of cows last week. You ripped me a new one, but it was very funny, and I'm very jealous of the quiz that was played. I I am very envious of that. I want to do that. Um, but yeah, I was in DC, which was good. It's a good place. Fred, you've been to DC, right, mate? I absolutely love DC. I wasn't expecting to like DC. I just kind of. I was going there for a conference and hadn't really thought about it that much. I was excited to see the White House, but I hadn't really thought about much of the city. And it blew me away. I absolutely loved it. It was just, yeah, a really cool place. How did, how did you find it? It was good, mate. It was really good. I loved like the museums and seeing stuff, like you said, like the White House and the Capitol building. And you're like, wow, I've seen these blown up like so many times on, <laughs> on, on like films and that. White House is quite small, isn't it? It really is quite small. It's like, oh, wow, that's like Highlands House in Chelmsford. You know, it's like, it's like yeah, it really is similar. The Capitol building is really good. Um, but I think, honestly, I think we were there. We were there doing a bit of work and a bit of pleasure and a few days. A few days will do it. You know, yeah. you, you don't need to be there like a week or anything like that. But um, I'm a bit envious of of your trip, Fred, to Greece because you were getting like cocktails ordered to your sun lounger weren't you mate it, it, was, it was very nice yeah I, I i feel like i got the full greece experience we had a few days in a very nice hotel we had uh, a few days staying in like an authentic greek seaside village thing which was really cool i ate amazing food we traveled around a few different islands weather was great but not too hot people are incredibly friendly uh yeah i had a great time and there was a there was a cracking little gym down there that i found so all in all <laughs> every box ticks Oh, very nice. Very cultured of you guys. (laughs) (laughs) How are you, Liam? (laughs) I'm good. I I clearly haven't been on holiday. Um, I'm good. I I am the owner of a puppy, officially. I got a puppy over the weekend, guys. What? You kept that quiet? I know, mate. I got a a little British bulldog, a little lilac-colored one. I picked him up on um, Sunday. So it's all very exciting. Having... Some thoughts, you know, what have we done? I, um, we weren't that prepared for how much maintenance is actually involved in a puppy. The fact that, you know, I can't even go to the bathroom without it, like following me and crying on the other side of the door and all the other stuff that comes with it. But, um, yeah, it's cool. It's good. We'll see how we go. What's his, what's his name? Uh, it's called Alfie. Oh, Mm, good name. Good name. So you're finding it, you're finding it pretty hard already. You got the dog on. Sunday is Mate, now Sunday Tuesday. night was probably the worst nights of my life. Like I had to sleep downstairs <laughs> with the cage next to the bed and it wouldn't stop crying. So I'd have to, I had to put my arm in the cage so it could like smell me. So I'd stop crying. So I'd sleep. Then I'd sleep for like an hour and then I'd have to take it outside to wee. Mate, what have I done? Like it's, this is a drop bad in the ocean. This is a drop in the ocean for kids, mate. This just. Heads up, sleeping next to the crib with your hand in there so they go to sleep, trying to sleep. I just, it's a nightmare. If you think dogs are hard, mate. Yeah, we're thinking that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We're on it. We're both like, 
what? What have we done? Do we? What do we want in the future? It's intense. You Last should have just episode di- diversified onto uh, my vasectomy, which I haven't had. Uh- we just the topic of vasectomy <laughs> just came up. I'm still, I'm still live rounds here, but uh, I noticed. Oh, I noticed. <laughs> I missed out on all the action, mate. Missed out on all the action. Liam, you should have just waited, mate, for um, like give it a year or two. You'll have like a virtual pet, you know. Oh, you reckon? Apple's Vision Pro. Yeah, you'll just like walk around the house with that bad boy, you know, Did the you... skiing goggles on and just looking. What, oh, were, those, there you go. what were those old school pets used to have? Oh, this might be a bit too old for you, Luke. Sorry. Oh, Tamagotchi. Tamagotchi. Is that what they are? Yeah, Tamagotchi, yeah. <laughs> little, like, the little things you'd feed and yeah. you'd like, press and it'd go, I'm hungry. Yeah, 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 yeah Tamagotchi. Yeah, yeah. No, I yeah, remember okay. those bad Man, boys. How technology's evolved, eh? I know, right? Yeah, I know. You Did can you now see? spend three and a half thousand dollars on an Apple headset, and the battery pack <laughs> is on a lead at the end of it. You have to stick it in your pocket. I mean, nah. oh wow, yeah, nah, yeah, nah. I don't so, know. I don't what, know. Yeah, what to is be this, sold like, on it? Apple's like VR product. It's very impressive. I'd say the video, well, as as with everything Apple, the marketing and the video looks absolutely incredible. And there's this kind of like, you know, your your iPhone functionality overlaid on your real world you can sort of reach out and touch things and it does seem to be the best ar vr headset i've seen it's way ahead of what facebook are doing it does look very very cool but easily it's not, yeah i don't know it's, it's one of the biggest hardware announcements from apple for a long time and it i think since the apple watch actually and it didn't I just, it just the design didn't look great. You've got this mm. big old lead come out the back of it with a great big battery pack you've got to stick in your back pocket. I just <laughs> you know, when you when you get Johnny Ive back. Yeah. Doesn't look that apple y, does it? You know? Looks like a little bit like it's just been whacked out of a warehouse in yeah. Taiwan or something. I don't know, which it probably well, was. Probably but... has, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Funny that. But it's okay because it was designed in California, guys. Yeah. That's you know, mm. it's okay. Um, like, controversial. You- I can't see AR headsets or the metaverse or any of that stuff catching on. Mm. Mm. Fortnite's um, the meta, right? The metaverse. Mm. Fortnite. A, what the video game? The game, right? Yeah, Epic Games say it's uh, it's it's the metaverse, right? You're in there. I mean, it's not like what you think in like VR experiences, I don't think, but you're in there. It's the same kind of premise. Like you're in there, you, you play the game for free, you buy everything in there, right? You buy clothes for your thing, your character. I suppose. Yeah. yeah. But mm, I, you know, I'd, I'd just like a bit of Fortnite because I want to game with my boys i don't want to have a business meeting on there you know <laughs> there are some things that are just i don't you know it, it's superfluous i don't know it just seems like it's there for the sake of it and this it's a lot lot of money a lot of money three and a half grand for the apple one is it, their presentation was really cool do i was actually going to ask like do you think technology like that could help with like construction and seeing like renders of what could be on like a streetscape, you know, if you're there, you've got like a VR headset on, you're like, right, okay, I, I, I could kind of see it happening from that perspective, right? Yeah, Fred? it's been it's been toyed around with and tried for a while. So you have these sort of construction hard hats with the uh, AR VR goggles kind of built into the the front visor of the hat kind of thing, and there is this this interesting concept where you could overlay health and safety data, alerts, um, design information, construction information while you're out on site. There is a definitely a, a route there. I think it's actually quite good that you get big firms like Apple coming in and maturing the market like this and helping make the technology mm. more widely accessible to people. They did that with smartphones. They did it with uh, smartwatches. When Apple come to the table, things they, they, the products are so intuitive and easy to use that things progress a lot more. So I think that will. I think Apple coming into this space will help it come into construction. Right. Um, right. Is it going to be on every site? I mean, I don't know. If you look at what construction has struggled to adopt over the years, it, it doesn't feel like it's around the corner. It will be trialed out on a few sites. There'll be some nice press releases about it, but I can't see everyone doing it tomorrow. No. Three and a half grand, mate. You'll be able to <laughs> afford it, mate. Fred, you get us three and a half grand spending on an AR headset. Go away, mate. Listen, I saw your Greece holiday, mate. Yeah, I saw your Greece holiday. (laughs) You didn't see the budget for my Greece holiday. It was very, very lean. 
apart from three nights in a nice hotel, which cleared me out. <laughs> did you have the kids for it? I did, of course, yes. Mrs. Oh. Mills and oh. the two little ones came along. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds lovely. Very, very cool. I even had, an, even had a meal cooked in volcanic sand, <laughs> which was amazing. That. Yeah. So there's this, like, there's this part of part of Milos Island which has uh, yeah vol- volcanic sand, which is incredibly hot. And they, they put the food in these containers in the sand and it gets cooked. And it was absolutely delicious. It was amazing. Ooh. Really, really Cheap. good. Cheeky uh, volcanic kebab, mate. Yeah, Sounds amazing. Yeah. Little juros, mate. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> kind of cool. Did you have it? Did you, did you eat many juros while you were there? I did, mate. I had a bit of souvlaki. Oh, um, mate. I, there was chicken schnitzel on the menu, the national dish of oh, Australia, snitty. as you will know. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I, whenever I go to Greece, I probably have two or three juros a day. A day? Oh, so good, though. Oh, man. So they're good. like two euros. Oh, yeah. Oh, love that. It was amazing. cheap as well. It's much more cost effective than old uh, Londres. I much appreciate that. So, <laughs> anyway, guys, let's get on to the main event. Coming up this week, we have got why America is demolishing some massive dams. Uh, Impact job ad in Antwerp, which has kind of gone viral across the internet over the last few days. Heatherwick buildings nearing completion in Tokyo's incredible new Azabodai Hills district. Uh, and the B1M's very exciting investment into Brickborough. As ever, whole thing enhanced with witty banter from all three of us this week and some of your comments from across our social media. Let's go. So first up this week, finally, finally, much to everyone's relief, we are covering the Klamath Dams in America. I know how much everyone's been up for this. All all we hear is please cover the Klamath Dams. (laughs) <laughs> I'm kidding, of course. No one knows what these dams are or where they are, but they're quite interesting because there's an interesting story here. So, the Klamath River, which I would struggle to draw on a map before I research this video, actually flows for more than 400 kilometers through parts of Oregon and California, so think kind of northwest United States, and drains a basin over 31,000 square kilometers. So it's a big old river that isn't as famous as the Colorado River or the Mississippi, but it's a big river in America. At one point, that was home to the third largest salmon population on the West Coast, which isn't isn't that great of an accolade, is it? I was uh, on my little boat tour in Greece. <laughs> the guy said, uh, now this is the most famous rock in this cove. We're like, well, oh, oh, okay. You could have said the, the most famous rock in Greece. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not very exciting. What, 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 hang on, what, what, what it looked like? Was it just a rock? Just randomly? <laughs> it was a <laughs> It was like a white arched rock. So ah. there was water flowing through the bottom of it. It was a nice looking rock, but you could have said it's the nicest looking rock on the island. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Brilliant. the Klamath River, its claim to fame is it had the third largest salmon population, not in America, not in North America, on the west coast of America. So yeah, not, not a great claim to fame. But anyway, that was a vital resource to local indigenous groups for, for food and all kinds of reasons. Now, from around 1895 to 1915, breakthroughs in hydroelectric design led to the construction of many new dams and power plants across America. Joe Biden knows all about that. He was in the US Congress at the time. That's <laughs> a digger, Joe. I'm sorry, Joe. You're not that old. Um, many dams constructed, including four along the Klamath River. So you had the Copco Dams 1 and 2, the J.C. Boyle Dam, and the Iron Gate Dam. Again, I couldn't draw this on the map, but all four of them exist along the Klamath River. Today, they produce enough energy to power around 70,000 homes at their peak. The problem is they're not usually operating at their peak because of low water levels and a few other issues to do with those dams. Are you uh, dam impressed so far, guys? Are you interested where the story's going, or does it all feel a bit like some it's, crazy little dam in America? flowing very nicely, mate. Oh, <laughs> very good. That's good for you, Liam. I know. It was real good, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Do you research that before, Ant? No. Mm. Nice. Natural. Natural. Yeah, that was, uh, that's interesting stuff, Fred. Interesting stuff. I'm, um, which part of you know, the video, in, Luke? the salmon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm once again reminded that fish ladders exist. Do you guys <laughs> know the movie, uh, the movie Road Trip? Yeah. Road Trip? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're really well, a song skinny about guy? Salmon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's got Stifler. <clears throat> he's not, he doesn't play Stifler. 
But it's got Sean right. William Scott basically playing a Stifler-like character. Anyway, uh, in that, there's a little salmon song, and that always comes to my head when I think about salmon. I'm not going to sing it here. Not <laughs> drunk enough for that. But anyway, not drunk at all, actually, just to clarify for listeners. <laughs> 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 we're, we're recording this on a Tuesday morning. <laughs> Don't start drinking before noon, even on a weekday. Uh, now, there is a problem with these dams. So while the structures have prevented flooding, they've provided tax revenue, they've created recreational activities, uh, they have blocked fish from reaching spawning habitats upstream. And because of that, the salmon population has dwindled to less than 10% of its original volumes. This has hugely affected the salmon population. That is impacting local tribal groups who now don't have salmon to fish and other wildlife who depend on the salmon to eat. Also, in the summer, the waters are getting played with this toxic blue-green algae bloom, which basically occurs when when nutrient-rich water, such like you have in this river, gets trapped in shallow reservoirs. So because you've had uh, low water levels coming through this river, you've had very nutrient, nice river water coming through, the kind of water that salmon like, you're getting these toxic blue-green algae blooms, uh, and that's causing all kinds of issues for local habitat. So... There's been a big old debate about what to do about this. Uh, And basically what it's come down to is removing, demolishing, getting rid of all four of these enormous dams. So Pacificorp, Mm. who are the energy supplier, said that basically removing the dam would be cheaper than building fish ladders and that the electricity those dams are generating could be replaced elsewhere. I know. I know, dear listener. What's a fish ladder is what you're thinking. Basically... Mm. It's like a series of watery steps that the salmon can jump up. So they jump from like one tank up a bit to the next tank, up a bit to the next tank, and they climb up the fish ladder up the river to where they want to go. Mm. Did you have a? Is that the what you pictured of fish ladders in your head, guys? I was picturing an actual ladder, mate. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like flopping up, <laughs> flopping upstream. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, we've we've spoken about fish ladders before on the podcast. I think on one of our earlier episodes, or maybe one of our test episodes, that are locked away for good. And um, I was like, "What on earth is a fish ladder?" It's one of those things where you're like, oh, "Okay, that kind of makes sense," but um, sounds like a lot of effort, doesn't it? Sounds like a lot of effort, and I think that's kind of the the scenario these guys are left in, right? What well, a lot, a lot of effort for the salmon, you mean? Well, both, both parties to create said fish ladders and for the salmon to get their act together. Yeah, I think salmon know all about hard work. They're swimming upstream their whole lives. Aren't they? I'm, I'm all, I'm, I know about this. I'm a salmon in many ways. Often swimming yeah. upstream, facing staunch currents. Yeah, mm. <laughs> hitting the gym. A few beers on the way. Fished. A few beers on the way. <laughs> <laughs> Teasing. Teasing your fans with the thirst traps, mate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tastes good in a bagel. Oh, smoke, smoke salmon and cream cheese bagel. So I know we're talking here about preserving salmon population, but we're also talking about fishing salmon. And my goodness me, smoke salmon bagel. Oh, mm. stunning. Stunning. Unreal. Or even Unreal. on crackers. Unreal. Unreal. <laughs> in uh anyway so in 2022 the federal energy regulatory commission yes that does sound like a fun place to work officially authorized the 450 million dollar removal of four major dams those four major dams along the klamath river now we've done a lot on the b1m about how you build a dam how a dam is engineered and constructed some of the biggest dams in the world uh we did a video a few years back called dam big the world's biggest dams which i still still love and enjoy but removing a dam is a bit different there's basically two different ways of doing that there is instantaneous removal or staged removal disappointingly instantaneous removal isn't that instantaneous it takes a little bit of time but basically, under that option, you draw down the reservoir. So you let the water out of the reservoir behind the dam through some pipes. It flows down the river, sediment clears out. Uh, then you blow it up, basically. You could put some explosives in, you blow it up. That bit's instantaneous. The rubble's cleared away. Uh, and the river is opened up again, reflows down, down its original route. Mm. Then you have the staged approach. So this is what they're going, going to be doing largely at the Klamath River stuff. So this is normally done on taller dams with larger amounts of sediment built up behind them or bigger lakes behind them. 
where if you were to release the water too quickly, there'd be too many environmental risks, both downstream and in the reservoir that you're draining. So Mm. to do this, rivers are pumped or diverted away from the dam, so normally through channels, which are normally... There's, there's a couple of different things here. There's either the original channels that were used to build the dam with. So you, normally you would divert a river around a dam site, like I did at the Hoover Dam, by digging tunnels in the rock to divert the river through while you build the dam, and then you blow up those tunnels afterwards. Uh, they would use those tunnels again to drain the reservoir, uh, or they create a new channel to drain the reservoir through. And then once it's uh, been drained or lowered to the right level, they will steadily demolish the dam piecemeal using excavators, uh, blokes with hammers, ladies with hammers, or explosives, depending on what the material is. So a bit longer, a bit less exciting. That's what they're doing at Klamath. Mm, okay. It's really interesting to see the deconstruction of a project for environmental reasons. For me, mm. I, I can't think of any other projects just off the top of my head in the same similar situation, right, where there's environmental... Issues that are happening and they, you know, the government comes along with, with a few other agencies and goes, all right, we need to reverse things to, to bring life back to the area. So it's, pre- it's pretty cool. It's pretty, pretty cool to see. It is. It is. That's a really good point. And I, I, I don't think I can think of anything like that. But then also the skeptic in me is like, is it because of that? Or is that just spin? Mm. Because like what they said, it's not operating at full capacity you know, the weird algae build-up, it's, it's just not worth it, is it? I think that's kind of at the at the back of their mind. They're like, oh, and also we can say the salmon thing <laughs> to kind of like justify, <laughs> justify knocking it down. Because I don't know, at face, at face value, um, you could imagine this getting spun like pretty bad, like in the media, especially in like California the, the, and or really a lot of the West Coast of the US that suffers a lot with drought you know, nowadays and wildfire water is like a really valuable resource over there, isn't it? And I don't know, you can imagine like a front page, like, Oh, you know, state deciding to knock down this dam or whoever decided to knock down this dam, like there'd be an uproar about it. But if you spin it with the whole salmon thing, then yeah, maybe, maybe people will be more on board with it. I don't know. With the dams, right. They look pretty high. So, when they mm. break them down, how are they going to have it on an angle that the fish can swim up the river, upstream? What, during during the works, you mean? No, 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 after. So post-works, there's obviously some of the dams are up high and it just is just a massive drop, right, down to the bottom reservoir. Yeah. They must, must be putting in staged waterfalls because there's there's – like salmon naturally, I'm thinking in like northern Canada, wherever they live, would swim up rivers by just there's obviously a certain height they can jump and then they can't jump. So you'd have to put in different steps in it, I guess, that they can jump and clear to mm. restore the salmon population. You couldn't just say, here, here you go, lads. Mm. It's 200 meters. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> Super salmon. Yeah. I've seen, I've seen one of those. Um, have you seen one of those uh, salmon transporters? I think it's somewhere in Europe. Oh, it might be somewhere in America. I don't know. And the salmon go into this like suction tube and it like sucks them through it and it spits them into like the the river or the lake next door to it. Have, have a Google. It's a hilarious. Man. It's, it's I have so seen funny. I've seen. I've seen lakes being repopulated with fish by an aeroplane. Have you seen mm. that? Where the aeroplane <laughs> flies low, fish are ejected out the back of the aeroplane. Yeah. <laughs> no. And fall into the lake. Obviously, they forget it within a few seconds because they're fish, but. Yeah. yeah. Is that? What? Have, you guys, um, have you guys seen The Big Short, that film yes. with Steve mm. Carell? And, Great and film. Do you, do you remember at the end of that, there's like that really clever, there's like that like genius. Um, Wall Street kind of investor and broker. I, th- I had to Google this, but his name's Michael Burry, I think. Christian. And at Burry. the end of the film, he says he only he's kind of he's left the game. He 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 like made loads of money at the 2008 thing because he was like one of the only people that predicted it would happen and said there was a crash coming in 2008. And he said he only invests in one commodity nowadays, and that's like that's water. 
and it goes to show like how important water is and how you know i thought it was interesting last week you guys did a good job covering it last week how water and dams can be used for you know life itself but also politically it can be used it's a really powerful thing isn't it so even knocking down or removing a dam removing a system it's still like a huge deal for that community for that part of the country for the u.s really isn't it yeah i guess i guess with this dam removal the the business case for it has changed so if you imagine a set of scales on one side the dams are no longer generating as much energy as they used to they can't operate peak capacity because there isn't as much water there for them frankly there isn't they aren't getting as much hydroelectric power there's also now the opportunity to get renewable power from other sources it can be replaced from elsewhere and on the other side of the scale the issue around salmon populations falling blue green algae blooms sorry blue green algae blooms the environmental impact the impact on indigenous groups it has become more prevalent so the scales have tipped in a way the business case has changed there's now more disadvantages and advantages that's probably what's brought this decision to a head i imagine mm. trying to be less you know conspiracy theorist about it no no i think you're right no i, I do think it is a matter of that i i, I definitely think you're right it's just i it, i just couldn't help but remember that that quote or even when i was listening to you guys yesterday with the uh, last week with the ethiopia dam you can't help but imagine like this huge dam being built and like rocket missiles being like <laughs> positioned all around it and everything it's, it's so valuable isn't it especially yeah. that part of the world so valuable and yeah. i don't know maybe maybe that dam might show us how to remove remove it best who knows maybe the egyptians might show us how to <laughs> remove <laughs> oh yeah so i've mentioned instantaneous and stage there's also the egyptian method of removing a dam which is <laughs> Airstrikes, basically. Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly. It's not even happened yet, but or w- hey, won't. It shout happen. out to that video. 1.5 million views in five days, clearly, because Liam and I did a banging podcast about it. It's helped it go mm. viral. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Obviously. Did you see one of the one of the comments on that video? Um, someone was saying, I bet you the renders will change uh, to the, the look of the completion of the project will look like a military base with silos <laughs> and armed guards everywhere and like barbed wire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Dear. Dear. so anyway this uh this damn rule down at klamath <laughs> is uh due to start in 2023 so copco number two as you all know copco number two damn of course we all on that one that is being demolished in 2023 that's the smallest of the four dams and then the remaining three are going in a kind of a long construction program after that What's interesting is that what gets left behind afterwards. So if you imagine you're taking a massive res- massive reservoir back down to its original just small flowing river, you're left behind with with this kind of space. It needs to be you know returned to what it was before. So following these drawdowns, there's like a two thousand two hundred acre footprint behind the dams that's going to remain. That is being restored with native vegetation, enhancement of habitat all things that help uh, the salmon come back and help ecology come back. So you've got this basically this big, empty, dried lake bed that you've got to make good again and return to what it was before, which I think is really, really interesting. Um, I know around in Lake Mead in America, which is the big lake behind uh, the Hoover Dam, that's currently at its lowest level for, I think, decades at the minute. And it's got so low that there's now all sorts of things that have been dumped into it becoming revealed like stuff from the mafia people's bodies what? tied down yeah skeletons of bodies that have been dumped by the mafia and what yeah it's pretty shocking it's it's, it's incredibly interesting because there's always like artifacts from the 1930s or whatever coming back that you're seeing for the first time uh, i'm not saying it's gonna happen at klamath it's <laughs> a different different story there wow but yeah interesting what happens when reservoirs disappear that's that's mad. There's even there's a there's a reservoir near me um, in West Hanningfield, kind of near, not far from Chelmsford, and they flooded a village, you know, to 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 basically have this reservoir there. And at times, you can even still see the top of like a church when the water levels are low. You wow. can see like the buildings are still there. Oh wow! They, did, they, didn't, they didn't even like rem- demolish them. Yeah, no. Some some of the buildings are still there. And you can still see like the top of like a church spire or the ruins of a church. I forget which one it is, but That's yeah, when cool. it's low, you can still see it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do they, they tell people they're really going to flood the village before they did it, or 
I don't think so. This was back in the 50s, mate, I think. So they just were like, yeah, go on. Click What's the that sound, Barbara? <laughs> Putting a bit Barbara. Of Barbara. Do you hear that, Sandra? Putting a bit of Victoria's sponge cake down next to a cup of tea. Ooh, I hear a rumble. Yeah. <laughs> Wipe yeah. out. <laughs> yeah, they are interesting stuff, isn't they? They are interesting stuff for reservoirs. Couldn't live without them. Couldn't no. live without them. <laughs> no. Reservoir of banter, that's what we've got. Already yeah, to draw down for you guys and disperse at any moment. Um, yeah. Now, last last little fact for you: this project is actually part of a wider dam removal trend that's now unfolding across America. So, in 2022 alone, 20 states tore down 65 dams in an effort to reconnect streams and rivers. Which sounds like a lot of dams. It's a lot. There are around, I think, 90,000 dams in the US. It's so it's sus. sort of like a, a little dam drop in the ocean. Yeah. It's a bit sash, isn't it? Drop, it's a drop sash. in the river. Drop in the reservoir. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bit suspicious, yeah. A little it's bit suspicious. What's, what's, your cons- what's your conspiracy theory? Go on. I just think I just think that's a bit weird, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I suppose out of like ninety thousand or whatever it was, it's not much, is it? It's mm. not much. And I suppose that would include little dams and big dams. Mm. Right. I wonder how the power uh, sending the power back to these areas. Is it just like like you're saying maybe bigger dams? They just supply that's part of the town or little villages, things like that. I think there was this almost there was this explosion in hydroelectric dam construction uh, when actually mm. some of them didn't need to be built, and they're having a huge economic, ecological, and environmental impact. I think recognizing that impacts. And looking to the advantages that removing dams can have, such as boosting local economies, uh, mm. you know, helping people upstream, downstream, have better livelihoods as a result of it, I think is a good thing. I think it's good that people are, especially in America of all places, looking to remove these infrastructure projects where they cause an issue. It reminds me a little bit of the highway teardown stuff we did where you know, there's long been these huge highways that have divided American cities, some of them purposely built to divide certain communities and prevent them, you know, going to certain parts of cities. It's good that that's now being torn down, corrected and improved. Um, obviously, I'm not saying that every dam needs to be taken down because um, many dams are very important, but where they're not serving a purpose, I think it's good that they're doing this. Yeah. I know what you mean. It, does, it is a bit weird, Liam, because you don't expect people to take a dam out. Yeah, you just don't really um, look at sort of major uh, companies, organizations, and things like that to give back to the environment, do you? No. Unless they're benefiting from it. It's quite interesting what you said, Fred, as well. They We say it in the video. I think we take a soundbite um, from a lady that says um, the rivers are kind of like arteries when you block them up, all the, the life around them uh, starts dying off and things like that. So that's quite it's quite interesting. Yeah. Mother Nature. Well, Got to look after it. Mm. Mm. Or be damned. <laughs> <laughs> they just keep coming to me, guys. I can't, help it. I can't help it. Right, guys, let us know what you thought about this video. If you thought it was damn good, get your messages coming in to podcast at the B1M.com. We want to know what you think. Would you remove a damn instantaneous staged or Egyptian? Which technique would you use? Get your comments coming in at uh, podcast at the B1M.com. Also, how do you like your salmon? Do you like poached salmon? Do you like smoked salmon? Would you have it in a bagel with a bit of cream cheese? Come on, we're just talking about it. I'm bit so hungry. Like sashimi, yeah. mate. Oh, yeah. The soy sauce, oh. a little bit of wasabi, mm-hmm. a bit of pickled ginger. How do you like your salmon, guys? We're talking mm. about restoring salmon populations here. For fishing, though. And we would like <laughs> salmon. Be more, yeah, be more, more salmon for, for all. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Also in the news this week, we're heading over to Antwerp, Belgium, where a very cool construction job ad has gone up on a building site and has pretty much gone viral across LinkedIn, Twitter, all social media networks over the past few days. This is very, very cool. So you've got basically a construction site on a building corner and this huge wraparound billboard on the side of it that says, hey, ChatGPT, finish this building. And underneath it, it says, your skills are replaceable get a satisfying job in construction and technology via Impact. This has been put together by Impact, which is a uh, kind of, in, well, a, yeah, a recruitment agency based in Belgium that specializes in construction and technical industries. 
Very, very cool. I love this ad. Loads of comments and reaction to this. I mean, it's had over nearly 9,000 likes just on our Instagram. Uh, yeah, what, what did you guys make of this one? Oh, it's complex, isn't it? It's complex because I, I, not everyone sees eye to eye with it. And I can kind of get that, but mm. I'm also, um, you know, like actually, like what we were talking about at the start of the video with like the VR stuff. I'm, I'm not completely sold on this idea that the technology that's around now is going to just like dominate our future, you know. And I, I always think, and maybe, maybe I'm wrong in thinking this, but I always think back to like the Nintendo Wii when they made the Nintendo Wii, they were like, oh, that's going to change gaming. Everyone will be like running around playing video games. Someone's going to jump around. And if you want to shoot, you're going to be able to do this, you know, like you got a gun and bang, bang, bang. You're going to box like with your remote. And at, at the end of the day, people just, you know, they enjoyed kind of the gimmick, the, the, the how new and fresh it was. But really, they just wanted to sit on the sofa with a controller and play a video game on their telly, you know, and maybe that's an oversimplification, but I think that we're, we're in the really early days of this and I'm, I'm not totally sure if AI is going to dominate construction or not. I think it can help in some ways, um, but whether it's good or not, is a diff- this is a huge conversation. <laughs> it's, it's, I suppose my point. Um, I'm I'm really intrigued. Specifically, I'm really intrigued to see what like Liam thinks of this because I know I know Fred's probably got a uh, his reasoning behind posting this. You know, mm. believing that some people aren't like replaceable and and whatnot. But yeah, I want to know what Liam's Liam's thoughts are on this. Um, I think obviously construction is one of the last industries to digitize, right? It's like one of the very last ones to actually adopt digitalization within the industry. I think it, it will. I think when I started at the B1M five years ago, we were talking about digital trends and things like that. And I remember talking to a guy when I was back in Australia, he's a, he was a bricklayer and he's like, oh, they'll never ever have machines that'll replace a bricklayer. And we, I think we covered a video on it last year of a, a house that was built in Western Australia by a bricklaying machine. So I think the technology right. is creeping up from just from my vision that I've seen, what I've what I've seen and experienced at the B1M in the last five years. Um, I am leaning towards AI is going to sort of revolutionize a lot of industries, I think, in the next few mm-hmm. years. I think it's really going to tack on. Um, I mean, even like if you look at like, using AI for like media management sales and things like that, you can plug it into like uh, CRMs and things and it can generate emails and send them for you. So you don't need to outsource it. You don't need a team and things like that. And that's just what it's only really come about exploded and online in the last like what two, three months. Hmm. Um, so that's where I stand, mate. That's where I stand. And then on the other side, there'll be another AI bot saying, yes, thank you. We will do that <laughs> <laughs> before you know it. No one's actually doing anything. I don't well, know, Fred. Fred, I'm intrigued to see what what you got to say about this, mate. Yeah, I, obviously, like AI is a very, very fast moving area of technology right now. It's coming into lots of different places. I think it's been quite interesting. You've seen this very this sort of wave of excitement around it initially, and now we're we're in almost this phase of pushback and fear and control and regulation and what it can't do and all this sort of stuff. What I like about this ad is that. Yes, I agree. I think AI is going to come in and help many parts of construction. I think it can help improve processes in many different areas, definitely. But what I really like about this is it says, you know, despite all this great technology coming in right now, at the core of it are amazing people that build our world, and we need people like that in this industry. And that's why I like this advert. I think it for an advert right now in 2023, it speaks to that. The fact that technology can't solve everything, and we need great people coming into this sector. And it's really clever to play on the chat GPT AI thing. It's very topical. I think it's incredibly hard-hitting and impactful, which is why it's gone viral. And it's really good. It's a really good thing for the industry. It's a good thing for putting construction front and centre again. Worth saying, I mean, there are a lot of comments. There's, there's kind of two camps of comments. There's one which is uh, sort of which I'm in. Pro-construction, this is fantastic. We love the industry. Skills are irreplaceable. And then the other one, which is this isn't going to age well. Um, AI has only just started, guys. You idiots. Mm. I've got so I've got a question with you, Fred. So manufacturing is a really advanced industry, right? 
you know, like building cars, it's it, you look at the videos, you see promo videos, and it's all robots. It's like a, the parts of the car on a conveyor belt, and it's picking it up, things like that. Um, if construction was similar to manufacturing, like where would construction be today? Like, you know, we do like autonomous like robots and things like that, walking around site scanning and things like that. If construction had adopted digital technology when manufacturing did, I think you'd see far more advancements than what you actually see today in construction. Yeah, I think the the issue is that manufacturing and construction are completely different things. So with manufacturing, you are mass producing the same thing over and over and over again with with very little elements of customization. You might be a different color phone cover, different color car, that sort of stuff. Hmm. Construction, you are building on a unique site, a unique mm-hmm. building with unique architecture, unique site constraints, unique local planning laws and people nearby who have a say on it every single time so and this is what where it's quite interesting is how manufacturing has come into construction where we're trying to get some of the benefits of manufacturing by mass producing components for our buildings like windows bricks uh m e systems that kind of stuff so we get we build most of our buildings now we should be going this way through manufactured mass produced parts that we can use very we can get off the shelf we can get them very built very efficiently very very quickly but at the end of the day you still need something to assemble that on a construction site in a on a unique construction site in a unique set of circumstances and i think that's mm. always going to be the challenge it's been really interesting there have been many firms many big tech firms have put billions into trying to do this in construction and failed mass produced housing has never caught on Le- legal in general the massive insurance company in the UK put millions, hundreds of millions into their big factory in the north. They've just shut it down because they realize they can't get anywhere. Point to me and tell me one big mass-produced factory, you know, Factory OS, all these other ones in the US that started up. Show me one mass-produced housing thing that's really caught off and is worldwide. There are some of them. 3D printing, everyone talks about 3D printing, but it's not like we're 3D printing every building because they look rubbish. Right. But I suppose, arguably, and again, I think I agree with you, but like, arguably, you could say, well, now in the age of AI, you have this technology that can, and it, and its purpose is to kind of decipher those differences between building a house like in Surrey versus building a house in like London, right? It can, it can figure that stuff out. And really, when you look at like, when you look at like new builds, whether it's in the UK or like Mook Mansions in the US, or like those uh, five-story buildings in the US that are really popular, those kind of like condo like complexes, those apartment complexes, they all look the same, whether you're building them in whatever city. And that's something that I really, really, you know, um, take umbrage with is that whether it's a new build in the south of England versus in Scotland, it all kind of looks the same. There's There's no character. So I think we've almost accidentally gone down that copy and paste route and I think adding AI into the mix and saying, yeah, it can differentiate the the specifics, I, you yeah. know, that is a and the power of AI a dangerous is can, recipe. Yeah, and the power of AI is it can draw on all knowledge in theory, all all knowledge consolidated it can draw from and, and have, you know, hundreds of people's brains put together effectively to, to give you the answer to a problem. It can draw on what's been done in the past to tell you what something needs to be. That's That's interesting in terms of problem solving in the industry, telling us what the best program should be telling us the answer to things you know generative design already exists where you can say i want to design a staircase from this floor to this floor to meet the building regs in sweden and yeah. it will do it for you that's clever that's, that's useful. wild that is wild yeah but the idea that it's going to replace people for me is at least a few decades away right and then we'll all be like in wally you know in pixar you know the, the <laughs> wally film because then you, you get to the point where you're like, well, you know, if AI is taking over jobs that no one really wants to do, you know, maybe that's a good thing. But I don't know. We need we need that purpose in life. I don't. I, I suppose, don't we? So it's you complex. Can and, you can quote me on all this, right? Because I'm the guy that said I didn't want my iPad. I'm sorry, my iPod and my phone to merge. <laughs> like, I don't want an iPhone. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't want my music and my phone together. Crazy. Touche. 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 As I said. 
kind of two camps of comments on this, but just to give you some of the highlights, Daniel Wells saying, this won't age well, smiley face emoji. Uh, Greg Reynolds saying, the awkward part of this is how very plausible it is that we'll see AI-driven construction robots. Uh, some people saying, for now, automation is coming to the industry. Uh, yeah, so cool. there's this camp of people saying, brace yourselves, AI, this chat GPT thing is only six months old. Uh, there's, there's change of foot. And other mm. people saying, we completely agree with the the you know the, the intention behind this the the sentiment behind this which is that for now skills in the industry are irreplaceable yeah yeah uh, also in the news this week some of the heatherwick buildings over at tokyo's emerging azabudai hills district have uh well they're approaching completion and they look bloody good to be quite honest uh so this was one of the big top 10 projects completing in 2023 we spoke about in our video back in january uh, this is where, so Azabudai Hills or Azabudi Hills, depending on how Fred Mills pronounces it that day, uh, <laughs> is a great big district in Tokyo. You've got the Mori JP Tower, formerly the main tower, which is that big earthquake resistance super tall in Tokyo there. Um, basically, pictures have emerged of the Heatherwick part of this being built, looking good. I like this. Wait, what do you guys think? Are you pleased how it's shaping up? I'm I'm really interested to hear Luke's thoughts on this. Render Just living up to reality, to mate. Yeah. Throw as soon as I saw me. this, I was like, oh, I'm looking forward to seeing what your answer is. Uh, why? Why? <laughs> why? Just look do you at think the render. I'm gonna rip it. Yeah. Do you think yeah, I do actually. <laughs> so <Go on. laughs> um it, it the truth is, the truth is it doesn't look like it's render. Okay, it doesn't look like it's render. And that's I, I think you could do a whole essay on how the construction industry needs to like get better at showing us what it what what things are actually going to look like. However, however, this might surprise you. I I, I actually really like it. I've I love the materials used on it. Um, I love this the, the skeleton kind of looks like it's got a stone material, and I don't know the 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 kind of the dance that the shape is making is kind of sexy. I don't know for, for somewhere like Tokyo, which can be a bit blocky sometimes. I think this is a, a welcome addition to kind of the seascape. I'm a big fan, but I'm, I'm, I'm turning out to be like a proper Heatherwick fan, like a real right. Heatherwick fan. So Liam, uh, you think it sucks? Oh, mate. Uh, yeah, I'm not the biggest fan. I think um, I see where you're coming from. I, I just, I just look at the renders and I look at it, and I'm just, I'm just not seeing it. Maybe right. when it's completed. Yeah, I'd, I'd have a change. We'll of revisit heart. this. Yeah, we'll revisit this in a bit, <laughs> in, in like a few months or next year, whenever it completes. <laughs> There's a comment here from uh, Simon Carroll who says it looks like they accidentally put it in the oven and melted it. I love it. <laughs> that's it uh, oh. on the flip side for balance uh, Daniel saying this building could be in any city there's no identity another person saying that's a hot mess <laughs> hot mess is a phrase you don't get on architecture reviews I like that are you are you noticing that people are picking up on this like more and more that like buildings don't look regional or yeah. they, they just look international there's no and vernacular I, I, I can't disagree with them I don't think it's I don't think it's a good thing that like all buildings from around the world look kind of the same. They could be in any city. That's not a good thing, is it? Surely, no. Or is it? No, I think I I agree. I think you need regional vernacular, regional identity. Right, right. But you're a big fan, Fred. <laughs> I, I I like <laughs> I like this one. I like it's different. It's eye catching. It's it's it fits with Tokyo. But is also recognisably Heatherwick, which is yeah. a difficult thing to have done. Yeah, and yeah, I think it's it's not your average construction project, and it does look quite a lot, quite a lot like the renders for now. Obviously, it's not finished; it's still in construction. Whoa. Yeah, it's, it's going the mm. right way. I think We've got a little bit of a debate going yeah, on. Yeah, I don't, mm. think, I don't oh. think it looks like it at all. Well, this I mean, is from one... the guy who likes the walkie-talkie. So, oh, you can't just throw <laughs> that in, in Liam's face. The walkie-talkie is a, is, 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 is a right masterpiece. There. It is a masterpiece. It's a masterpiece, Thank you, mate. mate. <laughs> yeah, it's a. It was an anchor baby. I read somewhere right 
the 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 walkie-talkie was they kind of used it to expand the city cluster so they were like right because do you remember when it was built it was really far away from any other skyscraper wasn't it and it really stuck out Mm. and since then they've been able to kind of change the city of london master plan and now we're kind of starting to see these towers pop up in between what was originally the main cluster of skyscrapers and where the walkie-talkie is so you're seeing more buildings going up there Uh, I mean, it's a theory, or maybe it's a conspiracy theory. Who knows? Um, But it's there's good that you know this sort of thing happens all the time, doesn't it? Pretty interesting, though. There you go, walkie-talkie, big up. We talked about dam removal earlier. I'm very up for ugly skyscraper removal as well. Nah. No, mate, got to keep it. Bring back the there's, salmon to London. That's what I say. <laughs> there's way more. There's way more skyscrapers in London that need to be knocked down than uh, the walkie-talkie. Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, okay. Back yeah. up. Which what? Like what? Um, I would say for starters, maybe even Tower Forty Two. I don't mind Tower Forty Two. It's okay. It's an icon. Is it? You can't knock that down. What? What does by definition? What does an icon mean? It's a syn- it's synonymous with part of London. It's instantly recognisable. It's iconic. It's not, oh, it's iconic I don't think it is of London. What the Tower Forty Two, the Nat West yes. Tower. Yes, it's a symbol of no. London. It's an no. icon of London. Shard and St Paul's, mate. Other icons yeah, I, I agreed. Also, also icons <laughs> and the Wolf also icons. Do you know? What, I think know Tower Forty Two <laughs> blends in blends into the kind of uh, nothingness of kind of the era. Yeah, it didn't it used to. From. It was the first first high rise we had. True. Oh, they put the Christmas tree. Doesn't make it good it. though. They do. Yeah, there you go. But, and it yeah. doesn't look good. No, it looks. It terrible. does not look. No. It looks a- so along bad. along with that, that can go the gherkin. Just no. Whoa, whoa, demo. whoa! Get demo off. It. Get a bigger Get tower. No. Are you serious? Just yeah. Go away. Get off the podcast. I, yeah, I used to like it. I've had a change of heart. It's just it's shadowed. It's just it's just in the shadow of all the towers around it. There's nothing there. It, it looks one good of from East London. Norman Foster's. Yeah, but I mean, you're looking at East London, works. like you want to look at the skyline, yeah. don't you? I I, yeah. I love it. I think it's I think it's one of the best skyscrapers of big claim, but one of the best skyscrapers of like the 21st century. I think Agreed. it's is a it, huge deal. Is it con- yeah. considered a skyscraper? Yes. Well, is it? Is it? Yeah. Is oh, it? Yeah. Over 150, isn't it? What is it? How tall is it? It's like one of Norman Foster's greatest works. It was defining of its era. It shapes London. It's bold. It's different. Yeah. It's eye-catching. It's Mate, sustainable. No one can see it anymore. But I don't mean you just knock it down. <laughs> I'm so offended. <laughs> Can't even see it. I do think I do think London needs to sort out its height ceiling. You know, the skyscraper height ceiling with like Heathrow Airport and London City Airport. Don't move this on from this row, right? I, I'm. <laughs> I, I, str- I struggle to have a rational debate with you on this because you like the walkie-talkie. You're, you're saying to me. Hey straight up that you like the walkie-talkie and that the gherkin should be torn down like what i I like the gherkin five six years ago when i could see it in the skyline (laughs) (laughs) now i I went to an event last time i was in london and we're on top of the gherkin and i was just looking it into other offices yeah but that's not the gherkin's fault it's it's still an icon of it's irrelevant now just because you can't see something anymore i'm not having this conversation Well, they were going to do. They were going to do the um, what was it called, Fred? The um, tulip, tulip next to it, which was also Norman Foster. Not not one of his best designs, I don't think. And that was kind of to put the gherkin back on the map, wasn't it? In a way, yeah. If you read, it was to sort of lock into the gherkin, wasn't it? So it was sort of molded around it, and yeah. And when you go to the top, you're kind of looking down at the gherkin, and because gherkin's roof looks incredible, doesn't it? Yeah, but mm. interesting. Both, both I hold up a video. Both quite suggestive Maybe. buildings, is worth saying. <laughs> Lots of comments about the shape of those buildings <laughs> on mm. <laughs> online. Right. Anyway, moving on. Moving on from that debate, uh, we've got some good news, guys. This was announced a few weeks ago now, uh, but the B1M has invested in a company called Brickborrow, which is a Lego subscription service i'm ridiculously excited about this brick started in 2022 it's run by two fantastic guys uh, called tom and cameron their infection and passion for this and for business is amazing and we are so so happy to be supporting them 
I don't know about you guys, as I said it before, Lego was a huge part of my childhood growing up and it was a huge part of what shaped me and my love for building and made me want to come into construction. So I think in terms of inspiring the next generation, inspiring the next generation of builders, getting kids interested in construction, thinking about construction skills and, and building that next generation, nothing is more effective. I really mean this. Nothing is more effective than Lego. And for us to be teaming up with Brickborough, as I said, Lego subscription service, it makes Lego much more affordable, more widely accessible to more people is is really cool. I'm so pleased we've done it and I can't wait to see where it goes. It's going to be awesome. It's huge, mate. It is huge. I love me some Lego. Um, but one of the issues of Lego sometimes is storing it. Like, you know, the huge UCS Millennium, Millennium Falcon. I just saw someone the other day and they're like, oh yeah, my missus is going to buy me that once, um, once I propose to her. I was like, okay, all right, that's a, that's an interesting trade-off. But this thi- this thing is like the size of a coffee table, isn't it? Now, to imagine if you were able to like, and I don't know if they have this package, but I'm sure they will eventually. But like being able to get that, build it, and then being able to go, do you know what? I've had my fun with that. I've built it. I've I've kind of got it out of my system. Let me send it back. That's the dream, isn't it? Because you don't want to just constantly get Lego sets and let them collect dust all the time do you no there's a few factors there's there's the affordability thing where these these sets are very very expensive so mm. many people many families many kids wouldn't have access to lego because it's so expensive there's the storage issue as you say Luke. there's there's dust there's where the hell would you put this stuff there's bits falling off and you know some of our old lego sets have been long since broken up and put into one big box which is kind of great for the yeah. kids but also a bit you get the occasional crazy piece in there but I think the sustainability thing is really cool as well. You know, Lego are still one of the world's biggest producers of plastic. And if Lego sets are being shared around a lot more, that is a much more sustainable way. It's, it's less it's less consumery, it's less throwaway society. You know, it, it's it's good. It's a good thing. Yeah. Good for sustainability. Yeah, it's great. And who no- who knows what little architects it's influencing as well. I think that's a big part of why I love architecture and construction is because of things like Lego and later Minecraft and, you know, things like that. My- Minecraft. Yeah, <laughs> I'd say it as Minecraft, though. Oh. Have you ever seen the TV show Motherland? I have. It's, I have. That joke is from that, isn't it? Yeah. It is, yeah. It's Kevin not a German in Motherland says Minecraft. They're like, what's Minecraft? They're like, it's not, it's not like Minecamp. It's, it's Minecraft. <laughs> it's Minecraft, Kevin. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's like one of my favorite shows of Kevin, all time. Yeah, it is, mate. I love Motherland. I often yeah. laugh my head off at Motherland. It's yeah. very close to home for me. So, yes, yeah. I can imagine. Yes, I can imagine. Mm. Like part of our investment into Brickborough guys is to help them get uh, bigger, cooler sets, a bigger inventory, help make it more widely available to more people, which is fantastic. They've had a huge reaction and huge growth since we announced this, which is amazing. Um, and I, you know, I'm really proud that I'm really proud that we're able to give back and support young builders and inspire young builders in this way. It really means a lot to me. But I also really like helping out two awesome guys who are at the start of their business journey you know they are infectious they believe in it they have a passion for it and i know how hard those early days were for me and those those little cracks of oxygen you get mean so much and make such a difference and for me to be on the journey with b1m where it started in my spare room up to where it is now mm. to be able to be in a place where i can support other people is is the best feeling in the world. Honestly, I, I wasn't expecting to feel the way I did about it. And it's it's awesome. This hits so many notes on so many levels. Um and there's Lego at the core of it. Like it's just great. Yeah. It's cool stuff. I think we've we've probably been I'm not I'm not actually not making this up guys. I'm not just trying to big it up because we've 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 invested in it. We've got a stake in it. I genuinely uh think this is a great idea uh and I can't wait to see where it goes. So yeah. Get on get yourself some brick borrow right now. Gift it to someone. Get building. Love it. Love it, mate. There's also Brickborough Australia. They're franchised into Australia already. Oh, wow. So, um, yeah, there you go, Liam. There you go, Liam. Mm, I'll get on that. It was a big part of our <laughs> Epic Games. So we did the big thing with Epic Games on Project Hillside and Moshi Safdie completing Habitat 67 through this virtual model, Project Hillside. And in that, he talks about how Lego helped him build and design that building when he was 23 years old. 
That shows you that, that, that's that insane, is one eh? of the world's greatest architects being inspired and cracking his design for one of the world's most influential buildings with Lego bricks. That's how. That's how. It's not a toy. It's, it's not, oh, it's not a toy. It's it's a proper <laughs> important thing. You know, this this really does impact people. Now, uh, DM time. Let's oh. go over to the inbox. What we got? Right. Okay. We. It's just one today. It's an email from um, Colin Woodall. Colin Woodall, who says. Hi, Fred, Liam, and Kyle. Sorry, Luke. Great. (laughs) I wasn't expecting that. I can't believe that. Great, great podcast. I think you guys are spot on with your analysis of the Saudi Arabian mega projects. I will say that the line is actually my favourite of the Saudi megas. It's ambitious, sure, and maybe a bit pie in the sky. But I think if it is built, it could be a way forward to tackling urban sprawl. The best way forward, probably not, but it is the way. Um, The best forward for Sprawl would probably be something more akin to a giant Tyrell Corporation pyramid thing from Blade Runner. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, okay. Somewhere in between that is is the line. Um, He goes on to say, it may interest you to know that generally... Saudi Arabia is not trying to give up its image with mega projects. They recently launched two astronauts to the International Space Station aboard a SpaceX rocket. I didn't know that. Did you know that? No, I didn't didn't know know that, no. Yeah, including, he he actually says including the first Arab woman astronaut. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah, he goes on and talks about how uh, Saudi is giving away master's programs at universities you know, giving people seventy thousand US dollars to move to Saudi just to complete their degrees in university. Um, he goes, definitely wouldn't see that in Canada, US or UK. Uh, <laughs> has me considering it. <laughs> he says, has me considering it, even with some of the dodgier aspects of Saudi Arabia. A lot of petro states in the Middle East are trying to up their international image through things like these. Worth keeping an eye on for sure. Looking forward to lots more stuff from the podcast and the channel. Cheers, guys. Colin. Um, thanks for sending that in, mate. We've got a lot to, well, a little bit to unpack there. There's definitely, I'm definitely noticing the uh, soft power push in the Gulf states and the Arab states. Are you? I wonder if you can see the lion from space. There's Maybe. astronauts can look back being like, oh, there's my hometown. There's the macabre. Good point. So that big, that big square there—that's my hometown cube. Another, you know, another. It, it, this might even be outdated by the time it goes out. But the um, Saudi Football League are really pushing to get like footballers over to Saudi Arabia at the moment, like trying mm. to sign like Benzema. Messi. Yeah, ben, Messi. Karim Benzema's like he's 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 definitely going. I yeah. think to our our Hilal. I think the the football team's called, but Lionel Messi. I, I don't. I don't think he's going to end up going to Saudi at the moment or this season anyway. But um, they're really pushing it. Really, really pushing it. Yeah, there's been some stuff in the pro- in the press recently about how states like Saudi Arabia, Qatar are using sports to really exert mm. that soft power and influence. Again. I mean, China do the same again with you know the Olympics and you know, Winter Olympics that kind of stuff. But owning big football teams, owning big racing events, backing and sponsoring these things is a way for them to get themselves more deeply rooted in the culture and society of other nations such that those other nations did them favours and back them up back them up at certain times. A big thing about uh who approved the purchase of a certain football club in the UK. I forget which one it was though. I think it might have been Newcastle. Newcastle from the Saudi royal yeah, family, yeah. yeah. And how much Boris was involved in that and pushing it through and all that sort of stuff. Um yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's interesting. I listen to a podcast over on the News Agents, the News Agents podcast. Shout out to those guys. Um, yes, there are other podcasts on Spotify, not as good as this one, but you know, hey, there are other ones out there. But they were talking a lot about how um, a lot of other countries' governments will go out of their way for Saudi Arabia. So they will, will fly over. You know, I think one when there was a, someone, someone died, some member of the royal family died a couple of years ago. Boris went over for the afternoon for the funeral because it was so important that the Prime Minister be there in person. Prince Charles has popped in every now and then when he was Prince Charles before he was king. So, Mm. Mm. Interesting, isn't it? Like Colin said, it's worth keeping an eye on all of this, I think. It's very interesting. 
Yeah. Well, thanks, Carl. That was a really good, uh, really good summary of this week's mm. news writings. No worries, mate. Pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> For people tuning in, are going to be like, who is this Kyle guy? Is it Luke? <laughs> I love it. I love it. Good old Chris. Cheers, mate, for that. <laughs> no no Prince Albert's on Greek beaches. Oh, oh mate. I'm missing out. I'm missing out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've really enjoyed this episode. It's been a really good laugh. Mm, what a really, good. really good laugh today. It's good to be back together, all three of us. It's nice. Yeah. Oh. Magic mm. trio, mate. Magic trio. We can build this dream together. Yeah. There we oh, go. Yeah. Keep going, mate. Well done, Fred. Get karaoke <laughs> next time, mate. When Liam's in London, karaoke <laughs> sesh. Cut that out, oh, please. Yeah, we should do a little um, do a recording in person while we're there. Maybe. You should. Yeah. Yeah. You should yeah. just check, check your bag for any bugs before you come over, mate. That'd be much appreciated. <laughs> 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 uh, Luke, earlier in the episode, you were saying that you missed out on the Skyscraper quiz, but I couldn't have done that with you here because it, des- it was designed for Liam. Oh, right. <laughs> he wouldn't have got. He wouldn't have got the South Korea one. No, I would have. That's true. I would let's, do it. It. let's do it next week. Yeah, all right. I'll, do a I'll quiz. I would have. Do a quiz for next week, Luke. Yeah. All right. What you for me or me for you? Oh, God, this is like something I'm. No, Tim, you for it? me. You we'll, we'll do, and then Liam and I will create one for you. Mm. Yeah, let's do that. So I'll make a quiz for you guys. You make a quiz for me. You're not getting right. a skyscraper one there, Greg. No, you're like going to do like famous loads or something. Ah, oh, but the skyscraper. I love the skyscraper. Love the the Latin huh? has to be construction related, right? Can't be like Latin names of plants or the, world, the world's yeah. smallest bridges. <laughs> the world's smallest bridges. <laughs> <laughs> We've got to make it so that the the listeners can play along too. You know. Yeah, I liked the sky. The skyscraper one was very good. It was mm. very good. Caught me off yeah. guard. Caught me off guard. Yeah. I could tell, but you did really well. <laughs> you did really well. And, you know, I added in the ding. Yeah, I like yeah. that. I like that. You got more, you got more than half of them right, Liam, which was good. Yeah, yeah mate. Six yeah. out of ten, yeah, I think, yeah. wasn't it? You knew where Shanghai Tower was. Oh, I know. <laughs> Shock. I was shocked when I got that right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there we go, mate. Another episode right. in the bag. We've loved this, guys. Thanks for listening. Get your comments coming in, podcast at the b1m.com, and we will see you for another juicy little banger of an episode next week. Now, this is the most famous rock in this cove.